Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Today we're going to start a little series on the book of, um, or on the story of Gideon. We were going to look at uh, a season on the Holy Spirit, but I actually felt like I wanted to do that in a time where there would be no distractions. And although I love being in the park, and today feels pretty, pretty okay, sometimes there's planes, sometimes there's dogs, sometimes there's little boys in trees, sometimes there's lots of music, and I really, really feel like for us as a community, getting a theology of the Holy Spirit that we're really, it's just a really big deal. So um, we're going to pause that until we can definitely do that without distraction. And then interestingly, for Josie and I, as we got ready to come to San Francisco, I kid you not, we had six different people, mainly from Radiant Church in Visalia, independently come up to us and say, hey, God just really put on my heart the story of Gideon for you guys. And then just this week, I was with my counsellor, and he said, Tom, I just can't help but think of the story of Gideon. I was like, oh, wow, yes, yes, Lord, I've forgotten that. I, that story, I've never really studied it in in-depth. I know the basic idea. It's a classic for kids' work, right? You know, the basic idea is a normal guy does something extraordinary by the power of God. But there's so many nuances in this story. There's so much depth to it. And it's so relevant for us that I thought, yeah, as we start to think about coming back into a building, as the city starts to reopen, as we start to come out of a crazy year, I believe God wants to start to wake us up to, a, to an expectation and a faith that God has got great plans for our little church. Hallelujah. This is not an accident. This is not something we are doing. God has called us to believe for great things. And as I say that, I, and I believe it, and I look at the story of Gideon, I feel both excitement, but I also feel slightly daunted because I also know my life. And I know my limits, and the older I get, the more fragile, in some ways, I feel as God shows me things that need to be brought into the light. And that is, I think, um, actually a mark of increasing Christian maturity. When you feel both a vision from, you know, Genesis to Revelation of a God who wants to do great things through you. That's right, you, each and every one of us individually, and together as a people. But at the same time, there is this awareness of our fragility and limits. Put your hand up here today if you feel more aware after the last year of just your limits and your just your, your weaknesses. Look at that, every single hand going up just about. So we can be of good cheer because that tension is not a bad thing, it is a biblical thing. And I want us to ask this question for just for the next few weeks in the story of Gideon is, how, how God can we do great things with you when we are aware of our great weaknesses within? How can we do great things and believe for great things with you whilst we are increasingly aware of our great weaknesses within? Okay, it's both. 
And as a community, we're passionate about authenticity. We're passionate that you can be raw and real when you feel weak and fragile. I hope Josie and I have modeled that. When we felt awful, even a year ago, and depression was a real thing, we didn't hide that from you. And actually, that's a choice, because it's easy to hide, as we're going to see today. But we don't just stay in authenticity. That's not the end game, ultimately. It's also that we then get our eyes on a resurrected king who's able to come and do more than we could ask or imagine, despite our fragility. It's both. It's weakness within, but also believing that despite that, God can and wants to do amazing things. So today, first principle from the opening verses is this. How can we be a people who partner with God in seeing great things happen whilst we're aware of our great weaknesses? The first principle is this. Bit of a cheesy title, but I couldn't think of anything better. We have to expect the unexpected, okay? We're going to see three examples of unexpected ingredients that preceded this amazing victory. And if you want to understand the story of Gideon, it's basically the, the central pillar is this incredible victory, a military victory, victory over these baddies called the Midianites, okay? They're going to destroy them. They're going to kick some butt. But what we're going to see is it's not because of their might. It's not because of their strength. It's not because of anything ultimately in them. We're going to see God turning up the contrast between their weakness and his greatness. Okay, that's what this book is about. And so the first ingredient is this, expect the unexpected. Let's just say that together. One, two, three. Expect the unexpected. Who would like to read the first 12 verses for me? Nice and loud. Come on. I know lots of you are leaders. Let's see that proactivity. Gideon chapter one, chapter six, rather. (laughs) Joshua's I always think Gideon's a book of the Bible, and it isn't. Joshua. Sorry, Judges. Oh, dear. Somebody else preach. Come on, get it together, Tom. Who's going to read for me? I'll do it if no one else will, but it'd be nice to have someone else's voice. Daisy's doing it. Daisy, nice and loud. Again, the Israelites. Chapter 6, verse 1.
Brilliant job. Thanks, Daisy. So <clears throat> this is one of those classic stories that uh, is very, in some ways, easy to visualize. Three things I want us to notice today. That, that this, this happens, this event happens just before a big success, okay? Do you want success in your marriage? Do you want success with your kids? Do you want success in your workplace, okay? We all want the success, but what are these, what's the preceding like environment and ingredients just before this big success? It's not what we expect. Number one, it was an unexpected season. It was an unexpected season just before this big victory when number two there was an unexpected message number three to an unexpected person okay those are the three things we're going to see today this is an unexpected season when an unexpected message comes to an unexpected person how do we partner with god in seeing great things happen despite our great weaknesses we have to understand number one did you notice when it was read that this is an unexpected season to precede victory. So all of us, all of us, it's hardwired in our beings as, as natural as it is to be humans for success. Who wants success in their business? Who wants success as a parent? Who wants success in your singleness? Who wants success with your neighbours and your family? We all want, you know, whatever word you want to use, victory or success or things to go well. But what's so fascinating here, and I'd never noticed this, is that we expect as humans seasons of victory and success to be preceded by good preparation don't we i mean if you're going to go into a big board meeting you are preparing your butt off right if you've got an exam at school you are preparing well if you've got a job interview you are preparing and naturally we assume as humans that well if we're going to have a if god's going to do a good thing in my life it will be preceded by strength, unity, solidness, firmness, preparation, Tom. What do we see in these opening verses? You could not get more opposite in terms of what is happening in the life of Israel. They are scattered, they are weak, they are fragmented, they are in caves. Now the scene it's quite extraordinary. I hope you saw this. It's, it's awful, okay? For seven years, God has allowed the Midianites who lived in the east, along with the Amalekites and otherites, basically, commentators to say these are like bandits, okay? They're cultureless, rootless people who live, nomadic people who are, who are like parasites, who live off others. And they're in the east, okay? And every single year, for seven years, not one year of COVID, for seven, God has allowed his precious people to be invaded. It says that the Amalekites and the Midianites, they did not leave any single animal alive. And these guys, agricultural, they're investing. I mean, farmers work hard, okay? I know we all think we work hard, and we do. Farmers really, really, really work hard. And these people were sowing into the land to every single year, and every single year, as regular as clockwork, an army of locusts, it says, 130,000 Midianites, Amalekites and otherites, just were allowed in to kill the animals, to take all the crop. And this is the people of God, 
And their great-grandfather, Abraham, was said, God had said to him, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you great, I'm going to protect you. And you see the exact opposite. They are fragile. They're invaded. Now, I don't know how you feel this year, but I feel kind of invaded in some ways. I feel invaded by this, this, by this pandemic. You know, even a rich city like San Francisco is not immune. We felt invaded by political views. If you're of the right, you would have felt invaded by the left. If you're on the left, you would have felt invaded by the right. Man, I, this feeling of vulnerability, I actually feel fairly in touch with right now. Crime rates in SF have gone right up. I mean, man, I was reading on Nextdoor a few weeks ago about, well, I won't say it, but it was bad. Middle of the day, and I was just thinking, man, have we got enough security? So we feel somewhat invaded right now. And do you notice what the, 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 uh, the natural human coping mechanism that they display is? What, what do we see them do? Begins with H. Hide. It says they're hiding in the mountain clefts, the caves and the strongholds. Isn't that interesting? Anyone feel like, honestly, they've been in a bit of a, been a little bit of a hiding season? I know I have. I mean, it's, it's survival time, right? Hunkering down. It's interesting, they're getting out of Dodge every year to save their lives. It's interesting how there's been an exodus out of SF, but only kind of often as far as the Bay Area or just beyond it. It's almost like in some ways people have been getting out to survive. And it's, it's kind of not even necessarily bad. It makes sense, right? What, just shout out, what ways do you think people can hide when they feel life is just oppressive? Any examples? Just ways you can hide. Behind a Say again? Behind a screen. Yeah, behind a screen. Good one. Absolutely. Booze. Booze. Absolutely. Alcoholism's gone right up. Hold back from relationships. Hold back from relationships. Thanks, Kelsey. Absolutely. What ways do we hide? Busyness, yeah. How do you hide? Any other examples of how, how people hide? Yeah, just distractions. Netflix, chocolate, sleep. Pleasure. Anything to numb it, right? Yeah, we do that. And, and, I, and I'm not, there's no condemning. I love the kindness here. There's no condemning here. But obviously, hiding is a coping mechanism. It's not our true identities. We're going to see here, Gideon is hiding himself. <laughs> He's in the wine press, which was like underground, I think, when he should have been up in public doing the threshing. And it, it makes sense. Again, there's no condemnation, but it's like when we feel invaded <laughs> by bird poo, uh, <laughs> remember these days, guys. Remember them. They are unique. Thank you, Jesus. You protected me from the bird poop. Um, when we f and, and look at that word, guys, with me here. In verse, verse 2, in the NIV, it says, they were so oppressed. The oppression was so real that they hide. But do you see that what's so wonderful is that although this is true, we can actually be encouraged because God is at work. Isn't that amazing? God, what is God doing in them 
that we see particularly in verse 6 through this season of like oppression and, and, and just feeling really powerless and vulnerable and weak and like they're holding on. What do we see in verse 6 happen? Shout it out. It's not a trick question. Look, verse 6. What do they do? They cry out to God. What's another name for that? They pray. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, folks. They are un- they feel weak and vulnerable. Am I even a Christian, Tom? I feel scattered. I feel disconnected. I feel unrelationally enriched. I feel impoverished is the word it says there. Do you see that in verse 6? They are- Who feels impoverished? You do feel impoverished, I promise you. Relationally, probably not materially, but we all feel impoverished recently. We- I'm talking through a bandana like I'm a bank robber. That's weird. That has an impact. And if you have an impoverished relational life, I promise you, you'll have an impoverished spiritual life, emotional life, and a mental health issue to some degree will affect all of us. Relationships are designed to be in person together. So they're impoverished. But what happens is God uses this to humble them. (laughs) I love it. It's almost funny. They were so impoverished that they cried out to the Lord for help. They, They even prayed. Isn't that, it's just my life totally. They tried everything else, every other coping mechanism, and ultimately it wasn't working. They were like, we've got to do something else. Wait a minute, we need to pray. I love this. God is at work right now, my friends. As you are, as you, the things, the places you normally go to are shut off and you feel like you're in survival mode, this is amazing. God is still at work. He hasn't left you. He just wants your heart. He is restricting you so that ultimately you feel those things come to the surface that you can rely on. And he says, oh, I I want you. I bet there was rejoicing in heaven when they cried out to the Lord for help. I bet, you know, the angels were high-fiving and the Father and the Son and the Spirit did a little dance. They cried out to me. It worked. It took them a long time. They kept on going there, other places, but they cried out to the Lord. What is the truest mark of increasing humility? Prayer. It's prayer. I believe that with all my heart. I absolutely believe it. And some of you have been saying to me, Tom, we need to pray. And as we move into this building for the next three months downstairs, it won't be, it's not going to be flashy. It's just a holding place for us to be together, if nothing else, so we can pray. Oh my gosh, I have been so helped by other churches that have come before us. Reality is a particular, a praying people. Above everything, they pray. And that's, that's how it was birthed. Friends, when you're planting in San Francisco, we all know the stuff that works in other places doesn't work. <laughs> right? Right? That we need to be a people who know how to pray. And that pain that leads you to prayer is a gift. This was a gift. This weakness, this difficulty, it's so hard. And I don't want to diminish it. Those things that God does allow, they're hard. And I look across here. And I know each of you have your own difficult things, not just COVID. There's things that where you feel impoverished and you feel oppressed. But what this first thing is, is this was an unexpected season. They weren't strong, but when, they're, when we are weak, then we are strong. First lesson we see, this was an unexpected season. So let me ask you this question. Where do you go? Where do you hide? And what, is, what might be holding you back from increasingly crying out to the Lord for help for, in terms of prayer? 
I believe this is a season where God is saying, my ways, they don't change. I will weaken my people so that they cry out to me. Secondarily, we notice here, it's an unexpected message that comes. Did you notice that? It says here in verse 7, so they cry out to God, and then what does he say? When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Okay, first of all, notice that. They want practical help. These horrendous Midianites are literally coming and almost, we feel like we're in danger of our life. Okay, they want practical help. Our car has broken down. What does God do? Does he send a mechanic? He sends a prophet. It's like sending a philosopher when your car's broken down. And this is huge. We want pain relief. Prayer is often, God, take away the pain relief. Take away the pain, rather. And God says, it's crucial you understand the why more than me just taking away the pain. Pain, even in a physical, um, right, medical sense, normally is something of a gift, right? It's horrible, but it's telling us something isn't quite right. And what God does is he doesn't just send some like James Bond dude to say, follow me, and does all the work for them. And they oh, thank goodness, we can just relax again now and enjoy this health, wealth and prosperity gospel where I'm just blessed and everything's nice and God gives me what I want. No, 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 listen. God speaks with kindness and gentleness, but it is challenge. When we are moving into a season where we want to see God do great things and victory, we tend to want comfort, right? I think I want God to encourage me. <laughs> I love encouragement. Who here actually really particularly does love encouragement? It's like oxygen to you. When someone looks you in the eye and says, hey, you're doing a great job. It, I mean, it's part of human nature. And look with me, God does say some kind things. He says here in verse eight, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. There it is. So he's gentle. He's saying, hey guys, I'm, I've done amazing things for you guys. And you look back in your life, who can deny the kindness of God, right? We look back and we see his kindness, but the challenge is in there. It's an unexpected message, I think, preceding this great victory that's about to happen. And I honestly think in many ways, in this season, which has been hard, it isn't just God going, hey, I, I love you, you know, I'm for you, comfort, comfort, comfort. The kindness of Jesus is also, but what have you seen come up in this season? Honestly, let's use an old fashioned word, sin. It's weird, I, I realize I don't often, this is a strange thing, I don't feel like I actually that regularly repent of sin. Now I know sometimes, depending on your background, that's overplayed and it's like, you know, and so we never, you know, it's almost like a trigger word because it's all like condemnation. But we see here, he is lovingly saying to them, guys, do you know what? There is, there is something I'm wanting you to hear that is challenging, but it's so kind. When you go to a doctor, it's not normally pure comfort. It's normally some challenge. 
Jesus says the truth, you'll know the truth and it will set you free. And there is, I think at this time, there is, there are things that God will have been saying to you in this last year. Now I'm not saying that COVID is judgment like this was for them. I am not saying that, okay? What I am saying though is this, is within a season of pressure, it inevitably brings up things that you did not know were there. Who here would say, yeah, I, in the last 12 months, I have seen things in my lifetime that I didn't know were there? Yeah, we, I'm sure we all have. Even if you haven't had a moment to think about it, even take a moment now. Just subtle things maybe that you've seen that have come up in this season of challenge. What's so interesting, I don't know if you know about Baal worship, which is what they were doing. Anyone know about Baal worship? It's really interesting actually. The, 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 they had got impacted by the Midianites, uh, sorry, by the Canaanites religion. The, the religion of, of Israel and, and, the, and the gospel is this. We as humans submit to God and God blesses us, okay? God blesses us or God brings, sorry, I'm slightly distracted. It's a man on a, on a uh, we have a permit, so we're allowed to be here. Um, <laughs> I feel invaded. Um, the Christian God is a God who is who we submit to, okay? Baal worship, like humanism nowadays, says, no, God's, God's not real, we are God, okay? Humans are gods. And we, and we submit to creation and nature. Okay. The one week I didn't print it. Thanks, guys. Okay. All right. If anyone wants to be on printing duty, I, well done, Josie. What a good man, doing his job, brilliant. Lord, bless this council, bless this government. So anyway, it's an unexpected message, all right? It's an unexpected message, do you get that? So, I mean, what is God, what, is there anything that you feel in this season? Actually, I'm all for the kind of victory, Tom, in my life, but actually you're right, and I hadn't joined the dots until now, that God has actually been bringing things to me as a dad, or as a mum, or as a leader, or as a son, things in me that, you know, I, I hadn't quite realised were there. And this is the key, is sometimes when God convicts us, we can automatically wrongly assume we're out of the game. Oh, because of these things in my life, I definitely shouldn't, you know, we, we stay in hiding zone, which is the opposite of what God's doing here. He's saying, hey guys, what things have you been seeing in your life? I know many pastors have been saying in the last year, with COVID and, and, and a lot of the sort of anger that's, that's come up in, in, in Christians, it has it's actually highlighted some things. Individualism, secularism, like consumerism, spectatorism, Christian nationalism. There's been so many isms that have, been, that have come up that I don't think we knew necessarily were there. Really personally, are there things in your life that in this season, you wouldn't choose for God to be putting his, his hand on, right? Because you feel weak. That's the, 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 they're feeling weak. But in that weakness, where we just want comfort, comfort, comfort from God, 
God says the thing actually you need delivered gently, honestly, is some understanding and conviction of those sins in your life that have come to the surface. Listen, there's no doubt the last year has been hard. Externally, there's been pressure, right? But sometimes we think things are actually even harder because of internal sin that we don't even realize about. When I had a like a, a bit of an almost breakdown, like you know, sort of an exhaustion thing about seven years ago, after I'd had a, a season of rest, I felt God gently say to me, Tom, there were some difficult things. There's no doubt there were external painful things, right, in your life, Tom. But here's the key. You felt they were even more difficult than really they were because of your own internal issues. Your need for control, your need for approval, your need for power, and your need for comfort, those big four. Control, comfort, approval, and power. And so he's like, I'm not belittling the difficult things that I brought your way, but actually, as Christians, when those idols are coming in and we're really needing them, it means we can sometimes actually feel like those, those external pressures are are more intense than in a sense they need be and that's why when you see great men and women of faith who are older than many of us you'll see their lives you'll talk to them I remember um, I don't know if you know uh, the very famous leader I won't name him but who's been through absolute hell on earth the last couple of years in the Bay Area and he's been very public about this and he's it's just been awful and I was with him recently and he said one of the biggest things he's learned is never expect, don't put your hope in circumstances changing in order to make your life okay. And that's what everybody does. Oh, it's difficult here, so let's leave here. Is it just about that or is it actually provoking things in us that we're gonna take with us? And then you do the move, you change the thing, you change the job or you change the setting and guess what? There's still those internal things. And God is saying, you've got, listen, it is difficult but what, what are the things internally that I'm showing you through this? What are the things God is wanting to bring up so that you are able to increasingly, as Paul says, I can abound and I can be brought low. I hate being brought low. Paul says, I can do both. He confidently says, I can be abound, I can have it good, and I can have it in a nightmare. How? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't get strength anymore from control. I don't get strength anymore from approval. I don't get strength anymore from comfort. I don't get strength anymore from power. I can be alone, uncomfortable, in a prison, with everything apparently externally a nightmare, and I'm still rejoicing. He says there's only one person who can do that. There's only one person in one place. So this is a difficult time, but this is a time where Christians are able to draw on a power to be able to do well despite the difficulties. Thirdly, I and mean, this will finish, it was, uh, so it was an unexpected season, weakness not strength, that preceded the victory, when an unexpected message, which was gentle but firm, came to this people, and it came particularly to an unexpected person. Gideon. Oh, I love Gideon. You see, again, all of us would say, yeah, I, I, want, I want things to go well in my life. I want success. But we particularly expect strong, courageous, intelligent, giftedness to get us to the place that we're expecting. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? 
we totally think, yeah, we're going to go for great things and therefore we interview ruthlessly to make sure we have the very best giftedness. Or we're going to put our hope in that person because of their giftedness and the things that they can do. Now, I'm not saying all of that is wrong. However, what we see here is almost comically the opposite. <laughs> I mean, this guy who's going to lead the people of God into an amazing victory. Uh, and next week, we're going to look at more of how he kind of says, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm so weak. I'm X, Y, and Z. But even this week, we see he's hiding in a wine press when he should be doing it in public. This guy, I very much identify with. And it says here, the angel of the Lord, I love these words, look at them. He came and he sat down. I don't know if you know about this phrase, the angel of the Lord. It's a beautiful, mysterious phrase. Some think he's talking just about a pure angel, which is still pretty amazing. Some think this might be the incarnate Christ. And nobody's quite sure, and that's deliberate, I think. So there's this, rever there's this sense of, like, in some ways, approachability, and in some ways, transcendence, which is like the Trinity, right? It's like Jesus. He's made in flesh, but he's also ultimately God. So the angel of the Lord, I love this, he sat down. He just sat down next to Gideon. And if Gideon is anything like the rest of Israel, he would have been feeling tired. He would have been feeling like, I don't, I don't want to be a hero. I do not want to be a hero. I just want a quiet life. I just want to watch Netflix, go to Lowe's. I just want to pot it. I want to be Bilbo. Who wants to be Bilbo Baggins, right? The Shire. Give me the Shire. After 2020, give me the Shire. I just want... I, I've, at times I've just thought about a British pub. There's something about a British pub. Womb-like. Just a little fire crackling away. Warm ale. Mmm, lovely. I just... You know, we, what's the womb for you? You know, what's that place that you want? And, and actually, I, I, I'm so sure he didn't want to be a hero. I know some of you do, and that's great. And I think deep down, actually, we all do. I think we're all in this weird mix, right? We think, I don't want my life just to not count. I do actually want to be involved with something bigger than myself that's kind of amazing. I do want that. But when I look at my life, the hunger for comfort, particularly when I'm tired, after seven years of this heavy oppression, man, I, I just, you know, he's in his little wine press. He's got his AirPods on. He's just having a moment on his own. And the angel, I just love the feel of this. Don't miss this. He sits with him. This is maybe Jesus. The angel of the Lord just sits with him. And then I love this. It says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It's two things. The Lord's with you. You know the Lord. He's actually with you. I have seen more shame in Tom Shaw's life in the last six months than I ever knew was there. That feeling of, I'm not enough. I'm not enough with my kids. I'm not enough of a husband that I want to be. I'm not enough as a church leader. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not enough good enough family member to my, my family back in England. I'm not, I, I'm not good enough for even my, my, my family in Radiant, Visalia, who are just down the road. I always feel like I'm not enough. And shame, shame is something that just about all of us struggle with. And the, the core of shame is actually the fear of abandonment. When you trace it down, it's ultimately the sense of being left alone. And I love this, God knows. And he comes to this man, Gideon, who's hiding, and he just says, I'm with you. 
like Jesus. Lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I love those final words of Jesus. They're not like, I'm going to give you a 10-year plan. I'm with you. It's like, we're going to hear Gideon say, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. You've got the wrong guy. I have been literally the last year saying to God, God, I'm a country bumpkin from England. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in like an urban city where there's naked men running around and there's like helicopters and, you know, we're having dinner and there's a a police helicopter and Poppy just says, oh yeah, there's a shooting happening a few blocks down. We better stay in the house. And I'm like, what is happening to my life? Like, God, you've got the wrong guy. I I am not, I think you've genuinely, you know, I I know there's all like, you know, the, the humility thing, but at times I just feel like, God, I am not a hero. And honestly, when you think about SF, you think, man, I am not a hero. Hey, CJ. This is CJ, everyone, who leads Citizen Church. Can we welcome him? Hey, man, these guys have been a real blessing to us. We love your sign, your sandwich board, amongst many things. Yeah, we're just talking about Gideon. Great. Um, Where was I? I've forgotten. Um, Yeah. So he's, he's feeling weak, right? He's feeling weak. Anyone here feel, yeah, I really do feel like that. I do not have like a heroic bone in my body, many of us. And I love it, he knows actually what he needs. He needs him to hear, it's not just that I'm with you. Do you notice he says the Lord is with you? That's important, notice that, not, write, write that down. The Lord, as, a, as Christians, Jesus is our friend, but he's the Lord. Man, I need, he is the God of the universe. We believe he's not just, he's, he is kind and he's gracious, but he is holy and he is other. And he is saying the Lord is with you. You see, humanism makes you the Lord. Baal worship makes them the Lord and it kills you. If you think you're in control, I promise you, there is a, there's gonna be an exacerbation of the exhaustion that you will be feeling because of this season. It will go up because of you're secretly have a sovereign self you think you're the king oh god today if he is just saying no no no, you're not the lord you're not the lord tom you don't have to be the lord but the final thing he then says is the lord is with you mighty warrior mighty warrior it's like you know i mean we often as christians talk a lot about our identity in christ i'm a child of god hallelujah and i love that stuff drink it in abba oh the kindness but actually he's also speaking identity here you are a mighty warrior now i love it it comes right at the end after all of this kind of this description that's designed to humble us and to allow us to see the need for repentance but he finishes with this idea you are a mighty warrior you see god is a kind kind god but god is not sentimental my dad quoted aw tozer He said, before God, listen guys, don't get distracted. Before God will use a man or woman greatly, he will invariably wound them deeply. Before God will use a man or woman greatly, he will invariably wound them deeply. God is not a sentimental God. God is a God of love. You cannot read the book of Job as probably the oldest book or the oldest account that ever happened and come out the other side thinking, yeah, you know, God is a God who is kind and loving, but he is the Lord. And even when we think of him as our shepherd, I know a shepherd in England and he is tough, okay? Shepherds are kind, 
and they feed their sheep, they guide their sheep, they protect their sheep. That's our God, but they're tough. The shepherd I know in England has a lot of tattoos, he wears a muscle vest, and in lambing season, he's just out all the time with the sheep, you know, like covered in blood and pulling out babies. And it's a tough thing. And our God is saying, hey, listen, church. Hey, listen, I love you and I'm for you. But I'm a mighty warrior and you are going to resemble me to this city. I tell you, you need to hear this. We need to hear this because we're very, we have very comfortable lives, most of us. Tom Shaw included. Now, I know it's tough. I'm not saying there's not pressure. We've already looked at that. But there is this sense of God saying, hey, listen, again, when you look at older men and women in the faith, one of the things I always notice is that there is a kind of toughness that they have. They have a sparkle in their eye and they know Christ and they know where they're going. But there is a, a thread of like just gentle toughness. We need this. I know I need this. Like, listen, pain and difficulties we always want to try and avoid but in this story God is saying how hey, I know it's been difficult but you know what there's a battle ahead and you are called to have an amazing victory but you do need to steel yourself you need to be courageous I love this story of it's quite a famous story when with this I'll finish of Mother Teresa you know everyone know Mother Teresa an old lady who lives in Calcutta she's not an obvious physical mighty warrior okay if you met her humanly I'm told she's tiny and uh, obviously an elderly lady but on February the 3rd 1994 Mother Teresa was invited to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast sponsored by the US Senate and House of Representatives President Clinton and his wife Hillary along with Vice President Al Gore and his wife were also in attendance here we have a Gideon Many, and she said, she said this amazing thing, and near the end of her speech, she said these words. She said, many are very, very concerned with the children of India and the children of Africa, where quite a few die of hunger. Many people are also concerned about all the violence in this great country of the US. And these concerns are good. But often these same people are not concerned with the millions who are being killed by the deliberate decision of their mothers. And this is what is the greatest destroyer of peace today. Abortion which brings people to such blindness and for this I appeal to India and I sorry, I appeal in India and I appeal everywhere Let us bring the child back. The child is God's gift to the family Each child is created in the special image and likeness of God for greater things to be loved and to love We must bring the child back to the center of our care and concern and then she finishes with this She says but what does God say to us? He says even if a mother could forget her child I will not forget you. I have carved you in the palm of my hands. We are carved in the palm of his hand. That unborn child has been carved in the hand of God for conception and is called by God to love and be loved, not only in this life, but forever. God can never forget us. My point is not really, to be honest with you, about abortion. It's more the fact as an illustration that she she had understood this same truth that we have a God who promises to be with us and to never forget us which enabled her to stand and to say a very controversial thing amidst some of the most powerful people in the world but the same secret was the same secret that God was saying to Gideon the thing that she was pointing to was that she had begun to deeply live in the good that God actually truly never forgets us 
he never leaves us by the grace of what Jesus has done through the cross and the resurrection he comes to us and promises us something that does actually enable us to do things that would be greater than we could imagine so how do you feel today as you hear these words as you think about the next few months as you think about what God has been speaking to us about do you feel like where might God be just highlighting in your life at the moment are there things in the season that you've lived in that he's just put his finger on where you've maybe been hiding a little bit and he's saying come on I love you but I'm drawing you now into something something that you can do one day at a time or maybe it's to do with what he's been saying the message itself are there things in your life that actually are difficult but but are there to bring truth and life the conviction of God although it's something that in some ways we rarely seek we see it vitally important here before God leads them into a great victory and finally we see here this unexpected person who is so aware of, of his fragility but is able to go wait a minute if if the Lord is with me not just anyone but if the Lord is always with me now man that means I, I can actually be something of a mighty warrior can we even say those two words mighty warrior just out loud with me one two three mighty warrior I know it sounds a little bit braveheart a little bit cheesy but friends we are in a battle yeah we're in a good fight you cannot be passive you will get taken out I promise you spiritual warfare particularly in this city is absolutely real that's why you must pray that's why we must guard relationships keep meeting together as much as social distancing allows be in each other's lives don't get disconnected don't stay in hiding God is saying I do have genuine genuinely great things ahead I promise you it's not hyperbole it's not hype I have amazing things and it's not about you and don't use that fragility as as an excuse to say not me I can't do it no 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 God's saying I can do it I can do great things despite your great weaknesses okay let me pray for us could we have a song to finish Joni and Matthias